Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. It is now afternoon on a... Doggone the heck, you know, I lose track of the days. If you're in that self-quarantine mode like all of us at this time, I had to look at the calendar. It is a Thursday afternoon, folks. You are listening to Beyond Clean with Ace. We have a live podcast that we try to do every day, but you may have been missing us. We've been teaching classes, and as a result, you haven't heard from me. And you probably won't hear from me much next week because we're teaching classes all the time. It's interesting how the cleaning industry has finally woke up to the fact that we need learning, education. And as we say that, we have a special treat for you today because, you know, even though you have been deprived of my voice for a few days, I'm not going to be the only one talking because somebody else is going to be on the line here with us. And he's got 15 years of experience in the, in, in the learning industry. And we're going to talk about how people learn and the focus on learning and storytelling. But you know what was interesting when I, when I read all of this? I had never heard the term brain-based learning. Andrew Chestnut, are you on the line with us? Hey there. Yes, I am. Good to talk to you today. Well... I am all about learning, and I got to learn about this. But let's before we get into this, Andrew, let's tell everybody who you are, why you've well been doing this for 15 years, and why they want to listen to 45 minutes of you and I talk. Well, absolutely. Um, so, as far as listening, as far as brain-based learning and all the stuff that I do, quick background: um, I am a, what's called an instructional designer. Instructional designer, or as one of my clients once called me, an educational engineer, which I kind of like better because it more <laughs> describes what I do. So, we're the ones who take uh, a great idea uh, and turn that into something that's actually learnable. So, we're that. You ever been in college and you have that one professor that really knew what they were talking about? They were brilliant but they really had no idea how to teach. They just did, could not transfer that information from point A to point B. We're the ones who bridge that gap. And so okay, that's okay, now, what now, we do. Now, <laughs> now I, got, I, got, I got to stop here just a moment. Sure. You're, assu- you're assuming I went to college. Well, or anyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I just had to kind of jump in here. And thank you for the assumption, Andrew. But yeah, I attended <laughs> one year of college, and then I got a Mm-hmm. Well, the the school of hard knocks works too, you know. So that the professor at the school of hard knocks, you know, works out as well. So, yeah. So, um, but that's what we do is we bridge that gap. We make learning um, transferable. Oh, we lost you. We lost you Uh-oh. there for a moment. Oh no! Am I back now? There you are. There you Good. are. 
Awesome, awesome. So, you know, the professors in the School of Hard Knocks also count. So you're good to go there? You know, because right. <laughs> we all have those two. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Okay. exactly. It's Hard Knock University. It's great. Yeah. Um, so as far as, uh, as far as learning is concerned, though, there's a lot of people with a lot of information out there. A lot of them have trouble getting that information from point A to point B in, in a method that actually works. Um, and a method that people will learn from. And so that's where we come in is we, we will design training. I've done in-person training. I've done virtual in-person training. I've done e-learning um, just across a gamut, a wide variety of uh, industries. And so, we, you know, that's what we do is we get that from point A to point B and we make it measurable. So the brain-based learning, though, I know how your brain works. This is what happens when you grow up with a mom as a shrink. My mom's a neuropsychologist. So <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens. <laughs> you get really interested in how the brain works. So I can tell you really cool stuff like, um, you know, if you write in cursive or you print your notes, like if you write notes, you are processing those with two different parts of your brain. So what I do is I notice a lot of stuff like this. Um, and I use that to help make your, your brain or to make learning um, done in such a way that your brain will, will just naturally absorb it. Um, it comes from, if you ever played a video game, and there's that first little part of the video game where it teaches you how to, how to use the, how to jump, how to use the controls, how to use that. It's learning how to use stuff like, that's addictive like that <laughs> to be able to help you to learn. So um, I just like to use the video game analogy because I think it's a brilliant way to learn. It's that experiential, just keep trying it until you get it right sort of thing. Um, I'm a big fan of them. So, yeah, so that's kind of briefly what I do. So, okay, you got me intrigued, uh, Andrew. Mm -hmm. I got to ask. All right, I'm yeah. a printer. My wife's a curse cursive. Which, what, what are we doing now? All right, so the thing is, her a different side of her brain processes the information that she puts on a page than yours does. So it's whatever works for you. So if you're having trouble with uh, writing notes and you're just not quite getting the information and you're printing them, write them in cursive. It's just a different part of your brain that's working. So you're saying that she's going to receive the information better if I write it way that her brain works. Yes. So if you write in cursive notes for her, it'll work better for her. Yeah. It's how you absorb that information and how she processes it. She's got to do work harder to process printing than she does uh, with cursive. Okay, so we're you you and I are both in the educational field. I thought this was mm -hmm. an interesting podcast for a reason I wanted to have you on here mm -hmm. because you know the cleaning industry is basically a skill set industry. You know, we're doers. We have to be doing something. Mm -hmm. But during this pandemic, everybody is not doing. And mm -hmm. so now they're saying, oh, I have time to learn. And all of a sudden, our learning platforms and the way we deliver and the words and the way we put things together is now very viable. Um, you and I have found this is nothing new. We've been doing this for a while. Many people are just now realizing this. How do you balance when you don't know the user on the other end? That's a, that's a really great question. I've ever, never actually gotten that question. So, um, uh Oh, Oh, folks, I asked, I asked a question and I didn't mean to do that right at the start here, Andrew, but, but I, and, and, and let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. Yesterday I did a seven hour remote learning class mm -hmm. with 97 people all over the continental U.S., uh, Canada, and Bermuda. Mm -hmm. 
And what I have found the challenge is, even though I have decades of experience of teaching people and we have the remote learning, it still is the challenge that I fight every day as a, a pro provider of learning, of knowledge. How do you, you know, I'm always fighting this battle of what to put where and what format to do it. And am I getting the right format? Am I reaching people in the right way? It, it, it's a constant struggle. Yes, exactly. And it is. It, it's the same if you're teaching in person as well. Um, I don't think there's a gigantic difference between virtual and regular in-person training. I think there's a different skill set involved with doing it properly. Um, but I, I think you sort of shoot for the middle. <laughs> and that's about the best you can do for the time being because every single group is going to be different. There's always going to be a different mix of people that are going to take longer, that are going to take shorter to get the information. Um, I don't think I, in 15 years of doing this and thousands of people that I've trained, I don't think I've ever gotten two groups that were identical. And so it's sort of shooting for the middle of the road, whatever you can do. Um, and then having a game plan of people kind of go ahead of it. Um, I don't know if there is a perfect solution for that. Um, the, one of the problems I see um, is a lot of people who are doing online training just basically do a let me talk at them for a while, um, a virtual online training. They just sort of talk at people for a while. And getting people engaged is difficult in an online platform. And so for me, um, I like to try to use things like in most uh, software, there's a little hand you can raise. You know, it says, hey, I need to, you know, I need to have a question here. Using chat to ask questions to see if there's that feedback. We don't get the same feedback in, an, uh, in a virtual forum as we do in person, where I can tell if the person in the back is sleeping. I can tell exactly which four people in the classroom are bored right now. You know, I can tell which six are struggling. Um, I get that feedback just by looking. We don't get that with an online course. And so for me, what I'll do is I check in occasionally. I'll just ask questions. If I see somebody not engaging, I may chat with them privately and go, are you getting this? Um, and so those are some of the ways that I can get to engage and I can either speed up the course if I need to or slow it down depending on the needs of the, the individuals. Uh, but it's using those feedback mechanisms in uh, um, the, I think just about every single conference software has some sort of feedback mechanism and using that to help out. Okay, so there's what I see in the industry uh, for the novice. I said, let's go that route. You know, for the novice that is just now exploring, how do I get learning? I have time. There, there seems to be a confusion about virtual, online, remote, web conferencing. Um, we use some of these words so interchangeably that I think it's confusing people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it breaks down to three major categories. There's in-person training, which all of us have been through at least one in-person training course in our life. Yeah, we took school. One. Exactly, exactly. Same thing. The second part is virtual training, and that's with a live instructor. It's a live course, and that's something that we will teach uh, you know, live, but it's just in a virtual location. So it's done via Zoom or GoToMeeting or GoToTraining. There's a bunch of uh, uh, software. The third one is e-learning. That one's completely self-paced, completely self, you know, you, it's self-serve, basically. You do it yourself. It's an online course. Um, and so that's something that's, that's the third category. And I think everything basically breaks down into one of those three categories. Or at least well, when I'm like designing, it. that's what I'll do. Yeah. I, n I never really had thought about that, uh, Andrew, but I like what you just said, self-service. Mm -hmm. That yeah. kind of tells them that they're on their own. There's not an instructor. I like that. I mean, I I'm going to, I'm going to borrow that. Oh, please do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But it is very self-serve. I get it on. I want to learn X. 
So there's a few different ways to do that. I kind of consider YouTube to be a little bit of e-learning because it's the same concept. It's a video. It's an interactive something. It's, it's a game. It's some sort of a, um, a modality that we can use. Um, but it's very self-paced. And so that's, that's the, the basic criteria that I have uh, for well, you know, the, the, defining it. Well, as you say that, a lot of our self-paced e-learning platforms, we put YouTube videos in there to augment the text. So I, I, I totally agree that that's, that's more uh, an e-learning self-paced than it would be a virtual. Now, that doesn't mean in virtual we don't use some of them, but predominantly that's not what we're going to rely on. Mm -hmm, exactly. And one of the reasons we do that with videos, there's two, well, there are two basic reasons we do it. A, economy. It's much faster for me to record a video and do it online. I do that with my corporate customers uh, that are selling uh, courses to end users. Uh, we'll do video. Second thing, it gets that engagement. It's part of brain-based. People like to see a person. And so you, you get a better connection with a person. Uh, even if it's just through a video that you're not interacting with, you'll still get a better connection if you see a face. So that's the other reason why I always recommend video. It's for some portion of e-learning. Yep. Okay, so folks, we're on a podcast where you can't see us, and we're talking about it would be better if you had a video to see Andrew and I. Well, okay. Uh, but, hey, we're all using all kinds of media. So in, in your experience, have you found one better than the other? So uh, one better is in video versus audio? or is No, 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 the, of, the three, of the three types. It really depends on the individual. It depends on what we're trying to teach and the learner population we're trying to teach. Um, so it, it's really a case. I don't really know of one that's better than the other. Um, yeah, there's, it, it's difficult to do that because it's really contextual. There are some things you absolutely cannot teach with e-learning at a self-serve. Um, there's some things that you have to have an instructor there with because there needs to be that immediate feedback. And there's so much feedback that might need to happen. Um, for instance, I was watching a, a video on... Um, phlebotomists, so people that draw blood, learning how to do that. There's a specific angle that they have to put the needle in <laughs> in order to make it work. Oh, and gee, so there's yes. feedback that has to be given. Yeah, and there's things that have to be given that you just really, it's difficult to get with, um, with e-learning, so you need to have a person involved. If I was teaching you how to speak correctly, uh, you know, so I do some public speaking uh, work as well. I work with people that you know, go out and uh, do all kinds of public speaking. I can't train them via e-learning. Um, it, I can give them some basics, but I can't teach them. I can't give them the feedback they need. Sometimes virtual learning is needed. So, so, would virtual, so would virtual be okay in that situation rather than live or, or yes. in person? Yes. The only time I would ever not recommend virtual or for something like if you're a per, you have a personal trainer that needs to teach you how to do something, even then, mostly virtual will be fine. Usually you're okay. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of a time when virtual would absolutely not work and I got I'm having trouble thinking about them. Um, well, in, 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 our, in yeah. our industry, it's where people need to get their hands on in order to feel the way a piece of machinery moves because mm -hmm. you can't, you can tell them and you can, and, and I can instruct virtually, but until mm -hmm. they get their hands on and feel the rotation of the machine, they can't yeah. understand the movement. So in yeah. our industry, there is the hands-on skill set, but mm -hmm. you and I are talking about learning, not skills training. I'd have to say, I think they're, they're similar. So that in-person, again, the, the three you use, depending on what the context. And I think that the in-person learning is still skills training. And I think that's part of it. Um, there, I, I break it down into two sections. There's the theoretical talk and the, the practical talk. 
So the theoretical are all the things you need to know. You know, a vacuum cleaner, you know, sucks up dirt. Okay, that's the theoretical part. Here's how this vacuum cleaner works. Here's how you turn it on. Here's how you move it. Here's the most optimal pattern to use. That's the the practical aspect. And I think both of them, a balance of both of them, uh, especially in a, uh, some in an industry like yours, where you need to have a balance of both of them, um, I think they can be useful. So, yeah. Yeah, so I think this is where the uh, our industry in particular mm-hmm. is – has struggled because we have predominantly done everything with hands on, on the job, uh, pardon the word training. I'm not a fan of that word. What I'm seeing now is because of, of COVID that people aren't in the buildings doing their skills. So they're now saying, Oh, I want to learn. I'm looking at the future coming out of this on the other side where we're going to see more virtual education before we get into skills training and being able to use both. Is this just what I'm looking at or do you feel all industries are starting to look at this differently now we've been six weeks into this? I think all industries are looking at this differently. Um, I think there's a few different things that are going on right now. First of all, a lot of a lot of companies are dealing with a virtual workforce and they have never had to do it before. And that's been a really difficult transition. Um, and just with not being able to see people. I know I've had a couple of clients have difficulty with just not being able to see people every day. And they get kind of neurotic about, well, wait, why am I paying these people? You know, <laughs> Wait, they're not here. They're not doing anything. <laughs> But actually, they're being significantly more productive than they have ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and this is something we've been saying for a long time. We're just now finally waking up to it. Exactly. And, and these are entrepreneurs as well. So these are people with, you know, 10, 15 <laughs> or less people. They're, it's a transition. Entrepreneurs are a different kind of – they have a different mindset on things. So it's really difficult for them to transition, right? And mm-hmm. so um, the online learning aspect of it, though, and I think that's going to come part and parcel – once you get a, a virtual workforce, and a lot of these folks have have you know felt what it's like to be in a virtual workforce, I don't think they're going to want to go back. Um, I think that out of all of the currently um, mandatory virtual workers that we have, I think maybe 60% are going to want to stay work from home. You're going to get some people that are going to want to work from an office, but I think about 60% are going to want to continue to work virtually. So you're saying yeah. 60%. Now the question would be then – that's from the, the the employee's viewpoint. What about from mm-hmm. the boss's or entrepreneur's point? Do they want 60% of their people not in the building? I don't think they want right now. Um, so I think there's two parts to that answer. Uh, the first part, I don't think they want it just because they're not used to how to deal with it. It's way outside of their, their realm, and mm-hmm. they're just transitioning. I think once they see an increase in production, once they learn the techniques necessary to do a virtual workforce, um, they will find out that it's a much better workforce. Um, so I think that's going to be kind of once they once they get used to it. Um, the second thing I think that companies are going to look for, and I think they are, or employees are going to look for companies that will do a virtual workplace. And I think it's already happened at this point. Um, so where companies, it, it's a selling point to get good uh, people if they have at least part time um, as a virtual workforce. And so I think that the that companies are going to be challenged to move uh, are going to be challenged to move towards a virtual workplace. Um, so that's just my, my two cents on things, um, kind of from what I'm seeing in the industry. I think they're also going to move more towards uh, contingent workforce, which are basically freelancers. So I think that's going to be something that's going to be a lot bigger um, after all of this is over. And I think the training is going to be also something that people are going to have to pivot with. 
Um, so e-learning, virtual instructor-led training, uh, these things, uh, e-learn, you know, and um, are going to be really the bigger, uh, the bigger aspects of things. Um, I wanted to kind of touch a little bit on a point that you were making, um, where now that we're sort of uh, captive audiences, if you will, <laughs> <laughs> we don't really have anything better to do. Now I'm seeing a lot more people come and just saying, hey, let me learn something. You know, hey, let me try to do this. Let me, you know, um, I'm currently on Duolingo trying to get better with my Spanish. Um, I went to Peru earlier in the month and realized exactly how bad I am. <laughs> <Spanish>. <laughs> so like, let's work on that now. Um, so even people that do work virtually, we're starting to learn things now. And so you're going to start seeing a lot more interest in things like online learning, in things like virtual learning. Um, and so I think it's going to happen in general. And I think companies are going to take that lead because um, workers are going to require it. So as providers of education, mm -hmm. should we be looking at putting together materials to teach them how to get out of their mindset? I, I mean, you're bringing up a point. The people that would, I guess, pay for the education, uh, pay for the platforms, they're not sure what they should be looking for or how to do it. Um, I know I'm thinking here, I'm like, I'm all about the content of the course. The challenge has always been getting people to look at the platforms. Um, yeah, you see people out there with, uh, you know, give us a test drive. Here's a free thing that the free marketing to get you in. And a lot of us run from that because we know that's just a ploy. Mm -hmm. How do we get people to look at what we have to say, okay, this is where you should be looking. This is how it works. This is how we can help you. Um, are we seeing this being developed or we're we not there yet? So the model that I've been using with some of my clients, and we've been doing it with quite a bit of success, is to do the webinar course model. So what we'll do is we have a course with a lot of information in it. And yes, people will not buy unless they're sure. I mean, unless you're a huge company or you're like LinkedIn Learning, which used to be lynda.com, unless you're, you already have an established authority um, as being a good provider of content, people are going to want to see what they have, what you have first before they commit to it. So what we do is we do webinars on it. We basically give away just a little bit of information, just enough to show somebody, A, we know what we're talking about, and B, this is what you're going to expect when you get into our course. And so that's part of what's been going on. Um, I've been doing that currently with my company. I know I teamed up with another local company here in Buffalo, New York, where I'm from. We've both had virtual workforces. Mine is actually overseas. A lot of my, a lot of my workforce is in Eastern Europe um, and Indonesia. So you know, I, I have a workforce that's very virtual. Um, across a 12-hour time difference, which is kind of fun to manage sometimes. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's always fun. But I have a fully virtual workforce that I've had for four years. She had one for six. This was right when COVID was starting and right when we had these lockdowns and said, okay, let's do a webinar on how to do this and how to lead a remote team. And it was just enough information to be useful. I mean, if people got off that webinar, they had a solid idea for what it was going to take. But, oh, by the way, if you want, you also can sign in. We're doing a consulting gig on it. So, so I do training. She does, uh, she does like the management side of things and how to do it. I'll do the, okay, let's get you ready for virtual training. And I pulled in um, a buddy of mine who's been a financial advisor for 17 years, and he is going to help with the financial end getting out of COVID. So we sell a package for it. Basically, it's training. And so that's the model that I've been using. We've, we've had some success with it. Um, and I've used it in a number of other different projects as well. So I think that as far as the giving people 
a little bit away to show that you know what you're doing. Um, I also don't think that any information is really new at this point. We're just really rehashing something. I can go on to, you know, YouTube and figure something out. What people look for is the person. They look for the personality behind the training. They look for the reputation of the company. Um, I, you know, there's, I've had a couple of Udemy courses that I've been uh, now. I'm a little critical about courses just because I've done this for a while. <laughs> so I kind of look at things with a bit of a mm-hmm. different lens. But there's been a few Udemy courses I've had that were really good. It's like, dude, I would absolutely, I would pay a hundred bucks for this and they got it for ten ninety nine. So there's, yeah, right. there's those. And then there's other ones where it's like, um, no, this isn't working. <laughs> this isn't working. So we want to see the person. We want to make sure that they are able to teach something. We want to make sure that they, that we will get our value out of them. And I think that's where the webinar helps is you get to see that person. You get to experience them. Um, and that can really help with the sales. So hopefully that answered your question. But yes, yeah, that's kind of what I'm seeing right now and what I'm using. Okay, so you mentioned LinkedIn Learning. Mm-hmm. I used that. Can you explain for the audience a little bit about that? Okay, LinkedIn Learning used to be lynda.com, L-I-N-D-A.com, and they just per- they purchased them, I want to say, four years ago. There, that's the first one that I just thought of off the top of my head. There's a bunch of providers out there. So LinkedIn.com Learning is one. Um, another one is Udemy, uh, there's Khan Academy. There's a few different like training programs and they're all a little bit different. Um, so LinkedIn learning is curated. These are instructional designers that will build courses based on a specific, just based on some topic and they're pretty broad. <laughs> so you, uh, okay. you can find a lot on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, you can find a so lot. These, so these are programs that basically help somebody if they have a subject that would help them build a course, not particularly uh, provide the course on the platform? It'll actually provide a lot of training. Um, so things like how to write a resume. Um, I've not okay. been on it in a while, so I don't remember exactly what's on there. I, I haven't been on it in quite a while. Um, but, you know, things like how to write a resume, how to do this. Um, it's, it's kind of feeds them up. They're curated. Um, Udemy.com is done by individual users. So usually these courses are about $10. They often have a $10 sale. For a lot of these courses, and it's everything, every anything you possibly could ever want to learn about, but it's really hit or miss. That's the one thing about Udemy is you don't know, and that's why the price point is so low. Um, LinkedIn Learning is quite a bit more expensive than ten dollars a course. Uh, it's a couple hundred a course. Um, you don't quite know what's you know what you're going to get though, because these are individual people. They may be really good at teachers, and and I've had some content on there that was really good. I've also had some content on there that's that I haven't even made. It, part of the way through just because it was like, I just can't learn. I can't get this. So those are some of the, there's a lot of, there's a few platforms out there. Uh, YouTube's another one and YouTube's great because it's free and I can see the content right away. And if I don't like it, I haven't really lost anything on it. But again, it's user con it's user content. Then so you never quite know if it's going to be accurate or not. Either. Uh, well, but, yeah, right. Yeah. Into. I mean, I've got hundreds of videos out there and some people say, you know, well, I'm not sure I believe all of it. And after a while they see a lot of our content and they start to understand so if a person is looking, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're challenged with this new dynamic and they're looking for what, what we would call a platform to put their course. So once they have a course and they have this subject matter and they want to get it out to their, to their team or they want to sell it to the general public, do you, do you find, or I'm sure that you have this because of what you do, a- Andrew, what what would help the clients out there listening to this podcast this afternoon? What would help them kind of distill down what they should actually be looking for? 
Okay. What they should be looking for in an e-learning course? Yeah, I mean, well, or on a platform that's that's going to get, have the virtual or the e-learning. I mean, the, the classroom stuff they got, but they know they're going to be challenged this other way. So if they're going mm -hmm. with an online or virtual platform, what's the down and dirty? So the very first one, experience, that's part of it. Uh, what sort of experience you've had versus, you know, and listening to others' experience as well, where I'm saying that Udemy is meant for this, LinkedIn Learning is meant for this. Um, so basically somebody building authority for them or listening to an authority like you and I, because we're, 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 we've been doing this for years, we've seen a lot right. and kind of listening to what we're saying about it and the reasons why we like it or not like it or don't like it. And so that's part of it. Um, price point is not always a good thing. Um, so sometimes there's mm -hmm. a lot of folks that will go for the kind of the Walmart model where they'll do, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm just going to pay 10 bucks. Well, that's great. I'm not losing a lot, but you're not getting a lot either. You know? right. So price point yeah, is yeah. not necessarily something I look for. I want to look also at the quality of the instructors. Um, I want people that are professionals. And I, this is just kind of from my side of things, just, you know, it's my our industry. So we kind of want to look, you know, we have certain things that we look for. I want sure. to look at the, the professional credentials of the individual instructor. And I want to see a video of them first. 15, 20 seconds doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be very long. I want to kind of see, because you can get a really good judge for how good of a teacher somebody will be um, based on just even a 30 second video of them telling something can they get their their point across easily can they get it can they are they being really wordy do you have any idea what they're talking about at the end of 30 seconds or do you have a solid idea of what they're talking about and so those are some of the things i look for and most platforms will allow you to do a quick intro video um, so that would be a good one um, one of the ones i use is called teachable and so i'm using that with my clients right now my clients are a bit different we're kind of the uh, I hate to say it, but the quote unquote guru model. <laughs> so um, it's the people that you see on, you know, on uh, online where, Hey, I've got this, this great course to be able to teach it. And we send people back to teachable. And so that's one thing uh, that we'll do for, as far as a platform is concerned, it's not, a, not, not expensive. Anyone wants to do it, but um, as far as like going on and getting content, um, I really look for video. I look for some other, some other thing that will show me why, why should I listen to the person um, when I'm doing public speaking training, um, one of the first things we'll do after a brief introduction is what's called an ETR or earn the right, you know, earn, earn the right to speak to your company or your uh, audience as an authority on the subject. And I want to see that first before I engage. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is, as you mentioned, Teachable, and that's the platform that we here at the Academy have been using for uh, a little over three years. Um, we've got all of our e-learning there. And we augment our virtual classes with that because not everybody wants to sit for seven hours while I instruct a class. They want to mm -hmm. take a, a little bit here and a little bit there. Mm -hmm. If we're looking at virtual classes with live instruction, what should a customer look at as far as their platform and the criteria before they decide who they want to go to? I mean, we have heard about all of the different ones out there. Uh, your experience? So as far as the, from the platform, I want to make sure the platform is usable. Um, I, I have seen so many learner management systems that they, I like to call it attack of the nerds. The nerds took over with all of the really cool technology, but and I, with all of the love of the world to nerds, I just want to put that out there with all of the love of the world. To nerds. <laughs> don't, don't be offended. We need you. We need you. There, there, there's not a time in history where we needed you more right now. Exactly. I, exactly. I thought about this earlier, you know, thank goodness for the computer. Thank goodness for these platforms and like this mm -hmm. podcast channel, because what would we do? 
Absolutely. It's a, it's the it's the main lifeblood of my business is, is technology. <laughs> so for me, I mean, I love technology. But, you know, for me, it's like, you know, you, you have this software, which works well, but no, but it's not meant for mere mortals. I mean, it's not meant for humans to use. Um, and so user experience and user interfaces are something that now is starting to become more and more of a thing. But I've seen so many where it's like, I can't figure out how far I've gotten in this course. I can't figure out where I'm going to go for these courses. I, I've seen uh -huh. so many, and some of these are really yeah. expensive systems. Like, you know, I, there's, there's a few that I'm thinking of that their initiation fee is in the, you know, the tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Still, they're just really bad. You know, they're just not well laid out. Um, so that's one thing that I really look for is, can I actually just use the thing, right? Um, so that's part of it, because I don't want that look that, um, I don't want that experience to get in the way of my learning. So if I can't easily learn or if I can't easily access the learning, I'm not going to learn. So that's one thing I look for. The other thing I look for is the, the pacing. So if I have, if there's like a, a two hour video and that's it posted online, I'm not going to sit through a two hour video in one sitting. It's just not, not, not feasible. It's not going to happen. Your attention span is about 14 minutes. That's the max I can hold anyone's attention on one topic. Um, so when I'm looking at it, this is where the brain base comes in. When I look at learning, I look at learning in chunks, five to six minutes. So with a max of 14. So five to six is about our sweet spot. Sometimes less, sometimes more. That's kind of where I head for. I'll be getting really good. So I want to make sure that, do, can I take this in small chunks? You know, can I just, okay, I'll do these three, these three lessons now. And then, all right, in a couple of minutes, I'll come back and do these three lessons. Now, we take some time for us to process information that we learn. So doing just a mass lecture for two hours is not going to be an effective way to train. People are going to stop in the middle of it. It's going to happen. Now, you know, making sure I can actually get back to the spot I was, and now it's, it's, it can be problematic. I'd rather do little chunks. Then that way your brain can process afterwards. So you take two lessons and then sit and process it for a little while. Then come back, take another two, then sit and process it for a while. And that's, that's the best way for your brain to learn. So I look at the, um, the path that they want to take me through. So I, I want to see kind of what the structure of the course is. Is it like two two-hour videos or is it, you know, 35-minute videos? I'd rather have the 35-minute videos. It's my two cents on things. Um, so those are the two main criteria I look for. I also want to look for uh, the people teaching it. I want to make sure they've got some credentials behind them. Um, and so again, it, you know, it's it's not the information's out there. There's a lot of information. It's how it's how it's being transferred at this point. So that's the other thing I look for in these online platforms. Okay, so uh, talking this through, and that's kind of what we're doing this afternoon is just kind of talking through this education. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Rather than go into a long, full day of education like we do in a classroom setting, mm -hmm. you're saying that if we're doing virtual education, we should maybe do an hour five days in a row rather than five hours in one day? That's correct. So virtual is a little different. If you're in a classroom, you have got a lot more control over the situation as far as a teacher is concerned. And if you ever notice, you really don't spend – I mean, you might, you, you might spend – you know, 14, 15 minutes talking about something, then you take it, then you do an activity, or then you change to some other modality, and then you keep going back. You don't really do one hour of just talking at somebody because that's not really going to help. So, virtual, it, the in person is a little bit different. Virtually, though, yes, you have to be very cognizant of this because you don't get feedback from your learners if they're failing. Um, we call it micro learning, and we've used it for years, and it's a really great modality. Uh, if somebody is lost, it's going to take them about five or six minutes to get lost. You know, they're, they're, they're going to figure it out pretty quickly. I want to stop mid process 
and allow them to be able like do a quick knowledge check after a five or six minute video to kind of just two questions, something really easy, just to make sure that they're getting it because we don't get that feedback and we have to uh, kind of um, pivot to make sure that we can get that feedback or we make sure we don't lose people. Um, so that's something with the uh, online learning we always have to think about. Yeah. Okay, so we we have all of the different ways to present. And I think, you know, there's the virtual class with a live instructor. I think most people can do this without too much issue. The online, though, you see a lot of different uh, delivery methods, I would say, where, mm -hmm. you know, and even with our classes on Teachable, we have this question. I won't say a lot, but we do have it. Do you mean I have to read? Why don't you just have it where I just listen? Yes. So, yeah, some people do better with listening. Um, so what I'll do is I always do clo closed captions on videos as well, so that way people can read it if they want to. Folks learn differently. Um, but uh, some people will listen to something, um, like Audible books. Um, so some people learn better that way. Some people learn better if they read. And some people learn be better if they're doing something. What I'm finding, though, um, is a lot of learners now, especially younger learners, don't want to have to read a ton of stuff. They're not good at, at getting information that way. And so what I will often do is uh, like put an audio recording with a transcript. And so it kind of still gets those, those, you know, still gets a couple of different modalities going. So because there's three, again, three different ways to learn tactily. So doing uh, audit, or, um, auditory learning, so hearing and visual learning, which you see. And so you just want to you want to hit, you know, those are the three types of learning, if you will. And so, yeah, so a lot of people don't like to just sit there and read, 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 read. They'll read for about two minutes, and that's about the max I can get anyone to read for. They'll listen longer. So, yeah, that's something that we're seeing in the industries where, uh, or that I'm seeing in the industry in general, where we're starting to move more towards multimedia because kids are used to it. You know, younger folks are used to listen are used to it. Yeah. So, in the cleaning industry, our audience, our our students, are not in the younger generation. They are typically between forty and seventy. Mm -hmm. Would that change? It would, because it's a different learning style. So in that age range, in school, because I'm within that age range, so we work out well. But So am I. I'm on the higher end of that, Andrew. <laughs> That's why I could say kids these days. You know, stuff like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I, I, I get you. I got you covered. But this is why, you know, because on the podcast here this afternoon, I want people to understand that, and especially in the cleaning industry, we're actually dealing with five different generations. But predominantly... Mm -hmm. We're talking adults that already have children, have life experiences. And this is different when you're talking about educating this student rather than a, uh, a student between 20 and 30. Yes. And generation is absolutely a big deal. A big deal. Um, and that's one of the things I look at when I'm looking at an audience is how people learn. And so that's another reason I wanted to bring that up, though. And it works out really well for this podcast specifically is, is that when older when, when folks in our generation uh, are looking at, oh, wait, now there's a video. Now there's this. That's why we're doing it is because the younger generation are now requiring it because that's how they learn best. In our generations, we were used to writing notes. I mean, rote memory was a thing where you, you learned your multiplication tables by memorization mm -hmm. and right, wrong or indifferent. It was just the learning style. And it's very different than what's going on now. And so I think that you have to take that into consideration as well. Some, again, some people might like to read. That's why I'll do things like do a video and a transcript or do a video and a, uh, um, even just closed captioning. And so that's, you get both of those modalities um, all set up. Yeah. 
So, so whenever you're saying this, Andrew, are you finding that the video needs to be, um, I, I was going to say performed. I don't know that that's quite the right word because uh, that means a little bit of hokiness, but it is a performance because you're in front of a camera. Um, does this need to be by the only the one instructor or do you find that multiple different voices and stuff can do the video to impart it or are we back to it has to be that instructor to add credibility? Um, it depends on the courseware uh, that we're doing, but a lot of times it should be one main instructor with guest stars, if you will, um, is the way that I've done it before. So I have one client who I've, uh, he does most of his training. He, He's personally branded, though, so he could need a show with HGTV. So he's wants to use his brand as an authority for what we're teaching. Mm -hmm. And what we'll do is sometimes I'll come on and do something, or sometimes one other person will come on and do something. But we're just the side. We're, we're the side hustle. He's the main brand. <laughs> so what we're, <laughs> I know, right? You're, you're the backup group. <laughs> exactly right. I feel so rejected. I love. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so used. <laughs> He's also a good friend of mine, so it's a weird dynamic. But anyway, so what we're gonna, what we do though, is is that he's the brand. We need to see him, and so sometimes that's the that's the way. So for you, you're the you're the leader of the company. You're the one with the experience. A lot of times it would be you in front, um, where you might have a couple of people to break it up occasionally, but it's mainly one. If you're working as a group, so you have multiple people in an organization. Um, so. I was looking at, I think it was an app that was made by Gallaudet University, which is the major deaf university here in the States. It's in uh, Washington, D.C. And they were teaching basic sign language and, of course, something you have to have on video. Oh, and yeah, what they did sure. is, yeah, exactly. They had four of their professors and two grad students circulate between, the two, between them to do this because they all had authority. And so it depends on the, the content matter. But generally, I see that it's going to be one person and then kind of whoever the, 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 the sidecars are, uh, whoever the, the guest stars are, um, maybe occasionally um, just to break things up a little bit. But it's usually one person. Yeah. It sounds intimidating, well, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I, I think the reason that we're wanting to talk about this here, uh, uh, pardon me just a moment because I need to get this in. I forgot to do this earlier. I apologize. Uh, we are sponsored by Gym Supply. They are a supplier of janitorial products. They have been improving lives with cleaning supplies since 1930. They are a supplier that cover, well, Central Florida. And, hey, you know, as we know nowadays, uh, with uh, transportation, can ship it anywhere in the world, actually. So if you need education, that's the Academy of Cleaning Excellence. We are powered and sponsored by them. We're very happy to be such because, hey, gives us all of the tools of the trade, if you will, in order to provide the education that Andrew and I are talking about, because we do live classes whenever it's appropriate. Right now, it's not. However, even when we get into a virtual class, like I had last Saturday with, Ber with Bermuda, we did a uh, six-hour carpet care class, and we had all of the tools of the trade. It wasn't hands-on, but they got to ask me questions, and I could show it to them on video, and they found out, hey, I've got a piece of equipment. I didn't know how to run it. Now I know how to. Andrew, I think this is the thing that we're talking about this afternoon is there's many different challenges that you and I as the purveyors of education face. This isn't a simple task. No, it is not. And there's so many variables involved with it. It, it depends on the content matter. Uh, so what we're going to be teaching. 
Um, there's a huge amount of variables there. Um, the audience is also a huge number of variables. It's very, very different, you know, teaching kids that are fresh out of high school versus, you know, an older generation. It's very different type of teaching that needs to happen for both of them. And I think that we need to be able to manage that um, and manage those expectations with those learners in order to be able to make it more effective. And then you get those groups where it's like anyone between 18 and 70. Those, those groups are interesting, but uh, using multiple modalities really helps with them too. Well, and then the thing is, is you add all of the things that people don't see on the backside. Mm -hmm. I just found out that in order to, you know, I've been doing remote classes, but now I've had to add a different dynamic because now I've got to run the equipment and instruct the course and show them everything. And a wireless mic on my lapel wasn't appropriate because it picked up too much of the machine noise. So then I had to go look at technology and find a different set of, of, of wireless microphone headset to do these. These are the challenges that go behind us. And everybody goes, well, you know, why can't you do it cheaper? Yeah, exactly. And, and so a lot of people don't understand that. I mean, just a base level of, of uh, training, base level of training is eight hours for every one hour finished. And that's the beginning. Um, for really high level training, it's about 200 hours for every one hour of, of finished training. People don't understand the amount of work that goes into this, the amount of technology that goes into it, the amount of skill that goes into it. And a lot of people, yeah, they're like, well, I can just get that on YouTube. Well, you know, there's a lot more. <laughs> you, you won't get the quality on YouTube that you will. And you well, but Andrew, this is what you, you bring up the exact point. This is, a, you know, everybody's got a cell phone and can shoot a video. And this is what they're yeah. saying is, well, what are you talking about? It's a $200 course. Well, there yeah. Has to be a value. yeah, yeah, there has to be a value to it as well. It's the value that you put on it. You know, I, I am getting exactly the value I'm paying for when I go to YouTube. You know, mm -hmm. I am getting a, the value. I have written courses that are $10,000 a seat. I'm getting a value out of them. And it's not necessarily just money. It's the, what you know, that $10,000 course. Well, yeah, that's a person who is, is just beyond an expert in their field, has 20 years experience doing this, and you're going to get to sit and pick their brain. That's worth that money. Um, so for a $200 course, you know, you have years of experience doing this. You can get the uh, uh, value out of, um, you know, having multiple people being able to take the same course. makes a little bit less of a price point, so you don't have, uh, so you can get more people into it. But you've got a gajillion years of experience doing it, and there's value in that. And so if you don't, we, we found that if you don't, um, the free courses are the ones that people get the least out of because they put the least amount of value into them. So therefore, they put mm -hmm. the least amount of effort. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing I want to talk about this afternoon, Andrew, and I think it's really helpful that, you know, we have somebody other than my opinion. Um, okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I did not have you on the show just to, you know, uh, corroborate, collaborate my viewpoints. So that wasn't mm -hmm. the purpose. It's yeah. that you and I do see this alike because there are many challenges as a speaker, as you said. You know, we both mm -hmm. go out on the road and do speaking when we can. Not now, but we will this fall, yeah. uh, hopefully. hopefully. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do say that because I've got some people who are saying, hey, can you come? And I'm like, yeah, I'll put a proposal in for speaking, but we may not get there. Um, <laughs> all of that being said, this has changed us for now. From what you've seen, from your view, what is your gut feeling telling you for the future? 
that this COVID thing is absolutely going to change things permanently. Um, I think that virtual training is going to be a thing. Um, I don't necessarily, how do I want to put this to be? <laughs> uh, I don't, I, I think that as far as workforces are concerned, virtual learning is still going to be a thing. Um, and I think it's going to be even bigger because you now have a lot of virtual workers um, who are not going to, I mean, again, I think 60% of the people that are working from home are not going to want to go back to the office. And so it's going to be a bigger issue to really step up that virtual learning to make sure that your virtual learning isn't something that just an afterthought. It's not the fries with the burger, it's the burger. <laughs> so, um, and I think people are going to have to put a lot more thought into it. As far as learning is concerned, I think you're going to actually find a number of people coming back into the workforce after this is all done who are actually, who have sat home watching, you know, courses such as yours, who have put the value into it and said, you know, I'm willing to drop some money on my education so I can be better at my job. Um, and then um, they will come in a little bit more educated. Um, I wouldn't say college educated. Mm. I mean, not that type, but that now I know uh, my skill set's better. My skill training's better. Um, well, the credentials so, will be yeah. different so that they're yes. going to come back into the workforce or back into the workplace at a different level than where either they left or where they've never been before is what you're saying. True. That's, that's absolutely correct. And I, you know, and I think that they're still going to need that hands-on, especially in a lot of like either trades or, um, I'll, you know, cleaning would, is a trade. So we'll say, you know, trades, I think they're going to still need that hands-on. I can show you how to use the vacuum cleaner, but I can't show you the proper technique, you know, or the specifics on it unless I have you have it in your hand. But I think they're going to come in a little bit more educated. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I happen to agree with you on what you've said there, Andrew. I, I believe that the value of education has just went up tenfold. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. it will continue, maybe not at the level we're at today, but I think we haven't seen the effects of this once we get into the workforce with our new our new knowledge. And I, I, I hate to say it that way. It's not new, but it's new to a lot of people because they're getting it for the first time. True. Absolutely. And a lot of people have not put a value on training. And so they, well, why would I pay a $200 course? Well, they haven't, they haven't thought that way where well, this might actually be a good course. This might help you. Um, they, and then because you put that money forward, you're now going to get something out of it. And so I think that's one of the other things as well. And so, yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're getting close to the end of our hour. I'd like to ask a couple mm -hmm. questions. Sure. Why is it that we have to wait for something to happen before we want to change a behavior? Uh, that's human nature, unfortunately. Um, I see it so much, so much, where somebody gets into a bad situation, and now they're just forced to do it. Humans don't like to move. Um, they don't like to change, and it, it's something that I think, just kind of my my personal humble opinion on this. I love learning new stuff and then implementing it. I love, you know, change is not a big thing for me. I like change. Um, if something's not working, let's change it. Let's do something better. Most people don't really think in that direction. They want to just what they want to do, kind of path of least resistance. Whatever's worked for me for this long, that's fine. Oh, it's working. Let's not fix it. And I think it's it takes some major push <laughs> from some outside influence to actually make that work. Whether it's an it's an company who um, is now having to move to e-learning because they're not getting the top talent because top talent wants to work remotely. Um, it's, you know, or, or their training budget is so high at this point because they're doing all in person um, that, you know, it, it's just become this kind of beast that's dragging mm -hmm. them down. Um, so I'm, I'm actually doing a couple of courses right now for the U.S. government where we're doing everything online because it's easier <laughs> it's, it's throughout mm -hmm. a couple of different countries. Sometimes it just it was logistically difficult for them to get a 
uh, a trainer out to Latin America, you know, out to Peru, you know, right. so or out somewhere else. It's really difficult to do that. So they're going to find out that budgets are budgetary reason is another reason to do it. But yeah, people just don't like to move. They do not like to move. Right. Yes. Yeah. What is on your personal bucket list for this year? There is a mastermind I want to go to in um, in San Diego. It was supposed to be in the end of April, and it was on my bucket list, and now it's been bumped back to September. I have really wanted to go to this one. Um, it's one of those ones where you have to know somebody to get into, but it's a really great experience from what I hear from the people that I have been to it. So that was one of my bucket list items for this year. Um, so that that's my main one because uh, it's also getting my name out, getting my, my business spread. Um, but um, – yeah, it's, that's that's my main one this year, personally. Yeah. Is there any information that we want to give people so they can contact you, uh, maybe use some of your platforms as they've heard you talk about and they're interested? Sure. If you're interested in my company, my company's name is Nickel City Learning Solutions. Uh, you, you can go to nickelcitylearningsolutions.com to learn a little bit more about me. Uh, there's also a contact me form on there as well. Um, if you would like, you also can email Andrew at nickelcitylearningsolutions.com, and that will go directly to me. We will have these links in the show notes. So if you're listening to this podcast, just look in the show notes. There will be the links there to get hold of Andrew and his company, Nickel. Andrew, I appreciate it. Uh, you're welcome to come back uh, whenever we have a live show open and uh, just jump in. And uh, you don't have to be invited. Just jump in whenever we have a show live. You now know the platform and you know we do it. Absolutely. I would love to be back on. Thank you so much, David. I appreciate the opportunity today. Folks, you've been listening to another episode of Beyond Clean with Ace. This is episode, I believe, 41 this year. We try to do them every afternoon about 1 o'clock. but well, you know, things change and life gets in the way. And, huh, you know, as we're talking, classes get in the way. Doggone it. Somebody wants to learn something. And we got to go teach them. <laughs> anyway, folks, you know, this is this is what we're all here for. We appreciate your time this afternoon. Remember, Gym Supply, they've been improving lives with cleaning supplies since 1930. If you need some help in that distribution of your, well, tools of the trade, give them a call. We'll have some notes in the uh, show notes for that. As we finish every show and every communication we have, we have three words. We want you to make sure that whatever you do between now and the next time we talk, make sure that whatever you do, it is healthy, positive, and proactive. Good afternoon. We will see you or listen to us on the next time we visit. We're out of here for today. Be safe. <laughs>